0: Hello and welcome to Your Favourite Teacher. Uh, we are doing a language walkthrough today. Um, it's with me, Miss Meeks, and I'm joined by my friend, <laughs> Mr Shirley. Hello. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through language paper one. Um, the, so is this last year's exam? Last
1: year's summer exam. Yeah.
0: Last year's summer exam, so that was the twenty, the June twenty eighteen paper. Um, so you can get these resources if you go onto the AQA website, or if you type into Google um, past papers AQA English language. Um, but we'll read through the source, and we'll be talking through basically how we would answer it. I've never seen this before and by the sounds of things Mr Shirley can't remember a single thing about it
1: except that it's very sad
0: except that it's very sad and that there were some funny memes um so language paper one that is the fiction paper fiction as far as I'm as far as I can remember
1: explorations in creative reading and writing what does that mean um, I think they just want you to kind of, when you read the extract, get an ideas get ideas from it to then use in your own writing. I think that's kind of why, why they've titled it that way. So yeah. So you explore the reading and then turn it into your own writing inspiration.
0: Yeah, so with paper one, because you've got um, section A and section B. So section A um, is probably what we'll be spending most of our time on today. Um, and that's the reading section. But then, yeah, you've kind of, you want to take the themes and the ideas... Um, and take inspiration from that reading section uh, when you're doing your section B, which is not to be neglected, because it's just one question, um, one essay, basically, that's worth 40 marks, which is pretty substantial. So um, if you guys make sure that you've got the source in front of you, um, we're going to read through that in a second and and work through it. Um, Annoyingly, my printer wasn't working, so we can't print it out, because... If you have it printed then you can go through and underline and highlights. Are you allowed highlighters in the exam?
1: Pass? <laughs> I can't remember. I feel I'm like ahead. it's
0: one of those things where like for some stupid reason you're not allowed a highlighter. But you should be underlining, mm. circling key things as you're doing your reading. Yeah,
1: regardless of whether or not you have a highlighter, it's probably not as useful as underlining and annotating. Yeah. Just having something highlighted doesn't matter.
0: But make if you sure, don't know yeah. Why
1: you highlighted it.
0: Yeah, so like I've all like my revision when I was doing my GCSEs, basically just highlighted every single word and was like, "Yeah, I need to learn it." Yeah. Um, I have no idea why. <laughs> so I would say before we read, I know this is might be rogue, but actually have a look at some of the questions before I start reading, or do you want to start reading? No,
1: I would do that. I okay. would always recommend you do that. Yeah. Because okay. then you actually know what to look for.
0: I mean, it's been nearly two years since i was in the classroom so i didn't want to be out of touch so we it's the same structure if, um, if you're doing aqa um there's all, like these questions are always going to have a similar style to them um but this question says if we're opening up our question paper um reading all the important bits on the front blah 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 Section A reading, answer all the questions in this section. You're advised to spend about 45 minutes on this section. And then question one, read again the first part of the source. So we're going to read it for the first time um, from lines one to four and list four things about Mr. Fisher from this part of the source. And it's you get four marks for that. I've never read this before, so I will literally just be doing this in real time. But as we read lines one to four... Um, or and as you read them at home if you can try and underline things that are about mr fisher that's what you just need to write into your answers it's pretty easy so most of these things will be um, explicit but there might be something that you need to infer from that so let's have a read of the first four lines mr shirley do you want to do the honors sure
1: uh, mr fisher lived alone in a small terraced house in the center of town he did not own a car, and therefore preferred to do as much as he c- could of his weekend marking in the form room after school. Even so, there were usually two or three stacks of books and papers to take home on the bus.
0: oh, this is a sad life that we all have experienced. <laughs> um, okay, so what would I put in my answers then? Four things about Mr. Fisher.
1: I think... The first thing you should look for is just things that are Mr. Fisher and then something Flaw. about him. Or he did this, so like Mr. Fisher lived alone yeah. is a perfect small little quote. He did not own a car. Anything that uses his name or like a pronoun for him and just tells you a fact about him should be the first things you go for.
0: So that would be two nice easy marks. Mr. Fisher lived alone. Does that need to be a full sentence or would that phrase be okay?
1: If you put Mr. Fisher lives alone just in a quote like that, that's fine. Okay, because cool. Because it's exactly from the text then yep. it's a full sentence.
0: Nice. Um, Mr. Fisher didn't own a car, doesn't own a car, doesn't have a car um, something like that.
1: I would say do Mr. Fisher did not own a car, just being careful that when you're looking at like the pronoun he, that it's actually him. Okay. you never know, it might have like, in this case, it's only just him but sometimes there might be another topic or another person and people might get confused and put something that's not about the right character down. So Mr. Fisher, and then quote, did not own a car is perfectly fine. Okay. But just being mindful of who he is.
0: Yeah. Um, right, so that's two really obvious ones. How can we get our third and fourth marks?
1: Well, in the, in the second sentence you still get after he did not own a car, you still can put Mr. Fisher preferred to do as much as he could of his weekend marking in the form
0: room. Could you shorten that? Um. Because I think, I, I think if that was me, I'd probably just be saying, Mr. Fisher does most of his marking at school? I, think, it'd be, or yeah, or I something... think you'd be
1: careful because it's saying he preferred to do. So if you'd put Mr. Fisher preferred to mark at school, Okay. that's probably smarter. Okay. Um. 'Cause that's a detail about him, is that he prefers to do that.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um and then the fact that he usually has two or three stacks of books to take home would be another
0: one. Okay. Could you have Mr. Fisher um lives in a small terraced house?
1: Yeah, because it Or if, Mr.
0: Fisher lived in the centre of town.
1: Yeah, as long as you've separated it from the other ones. Yeah. As long as you separate it from lived alone or small terraced house.
0: I Um, thought that you could get marks if you said Mr. Fisher lives alone in a small terrace terrace house in the centre of town and they can sometimes mark all three. Obviously, it's not sensible to do.
1: It's not sensible to just rely on that. It's probably more sensible to separate them into three little things. Um, Rather, it's not really smart to put one big sentence and hope that you'll get all three marks for it. It's probably more sensible just to break that up. Well, yeah,
0: you've got those three things there anyway. Those three... um, sorry, those four-line spaces, so you may as well make the most out of them.
1: Like you were saying about it having to be... not always being explicit, the inferred thing is obviously that he takes a bus home because it says to take home on the bus. So putting in Mr. Fisher takes the, quote, bus home is perfectly acceptable too.
0: Okay. Um, So I've just now opened up the mark scheme. All these mark schemes are available online as well, so... um, If you're wanting, if you've done something and you want to check that you're on the right tracks, it's a good idea. Um, And the things that you would have got marks for in the mark scheme: um, he lived alone, he lived in a terraced house, he lived in a small house, he lived in the centre of town, he didn't own a car, he did much of his weekend marking at school, he travelled home by bus, he took some books and papers home at the weekend. They also um, allowed he is a teacher because I guess that's inferred content. Um, he did his marking in the form form room. Um, he worked in a school. He does marking. Um, that... As opposed to the teachers that don't. <laughs> I mean, that was sometimes me. <laughs> Mr. Shirley was king of the marking, though. Um, they did not credit things like he did as much of his marking as he could. He did as much as he could in the form room. Two or three stacks of books to take home. Small terraced house on its own, it doesn't get credit. You need to be saying things like, he lived in a small terraced house. He lived in the centre of town. You can't just pick out centre of town because it doesn't really make sense to the question, which is, tell me something about Mr. Fisher. Centre of town. Like, you sound like a moron. Um, Okay, cool. Well, that's the first question. I think it's safe to say we would have got four out of four. Question two, the language question um are we going to carry on reading
1: um i think it's probably advisable like it, when it's a small little bit like this like lines five to eight it's probably advisable to read it just so you get the context of what you're then gonna write about in the next one so even though the question doesn't ask you about that but it's probably smart just to read it before you read the section before question two um, otherwise you might not understand that section. Of the yeah, you might the have missed out though. some
0: key information. Um, so, it has been a disappointing term at St. Oswald's. For most of the boys in 3F, creative, creative writing was on par with country dancing and food technology. Oh, he tried to engage their interest, but books just didn't seem to kindle the same enthusiasm as they had in the old days. I can appreciate that sometimes. Now, question two says, look in detail at this extract from lines nine to 15 of the source. It gives you the little bit that you're supposed to look at in the exam. Um, And then the question is, how does the writer use language here to convey Mr. Fisher's views on books and stories of the past? You could include the writer's choice of words and phrases, language features and techniques and sentence forms. So next step here is really thinking about what you're going to look for when you're doing your reading and what you're going to look for are his views um but how they've been presented basically so the way in which he's talking about these things so he's obviously going to be talking about books and stories of the past but what's the language that he's using when he describes them um and then that's the kind of thing that you want to be underlining circling picking out to include in your evidence so the bullet points you've given there words and phrases language features and techniques those are things that you need to be searching for sentence forms a bit of a funny one i'm still not 100% sure why it's in that paper
1: i don't know 100% why they put words and phrases either cuz obviously you want to zoom in on words but it's much better if you can say the
0: the word verb. type yeah uh, but i think that's probably just to make things a bit easier because yeah. if you if even if you can't remember um, if exploded, the word, word like exploded yeah but you know that that word is go- is gonna have have some significance um and also i think that's probably basically that bullet point there is basically saying get some quotes yeah yeah um
1: which is kind of misleading because it is more about the language features um and it is more about like the word types that's how you get above the 50 percent marks um, being as accurate as possible so you would get marks for saying like the word exploded but not as many as if you were more accurate and said the verb exploded yeah
0: you need to get into good routines with things like that even if you're not 100 percent certain in the exam like you're someone's not going to be like mark you down because you called it a noun but you might get it right
1: yeah, it it needs to be as accurate as you possibly can, really. So if if it's the word, you know, that's the one that's effective. That's the one you need to focus on. If it's the noun, then you know it's the noun, and to talk about that. But it's not good to just put "exploded like rockets" as a phrase without having picked out pick that out word, the explode exploded, yeah or the simile exploded yeah. like rockets. That's more accurate than just saying it's a phrase.
0: Right. Let's read this this then and um then we'll pick out the things that jump out at me and then the things that jump out at you and what we'd say about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to read it?
1: Sure. Mr. Fisher remembered a time, surely not so long ago, when books were golden, when imagination soared, when the world was filled with stories which ran like gazelles and pounced like tigers and exploded like rockets, illuminating minds and hearts. He had seen it happen, had seen whole classes swept away in the fever. In those days, there were heroes. There were gi- uh, dragons and gi- dinosaurs. There were ad- space adventures and soldiers of fortune and giant apes. In those days, thought Mr. Fisher, we dreamed in colour. Though films were in black and white, and good always triumphed in the end.
0: There's so much to say. Yeah,
1: there's, there's way too much. You need to be really smart about what you choose to, I think, otherwise you get swept up in just saying there's a lot of similes
0: yeah um (laughs) although you can sort of say that he uses similes to create his views and then give a couple of examples of the Mm -hmm. type of things right let's just i'm we can whistle them down but you would have about 10 minutes for this question so let's just spend a, a second thinking about what's good straight away books were golden um i think that was the first thing that i thought of um because it's he's asked about views on books. So if he's there's actually a reference to a book yeah. then and straight away if you pick out that word golden, the colour imagery, the connotations of golden being precious, um being valuable, um that I think even if you don't read any further, you've probably Get a mark or two for talking about that.
1: For sure. And it, if you're going to look, I think a good way to look at it is what thing is being asked about. In this case, this is views on books. So, how are books described? If you're going to say golden is the one you want to talk about, you might want to also say um, things about how they were in color
0: yeah. um,
1: and how that brought their dreams alive. So, those descriptions of the books being in color and golden can now go together. Yeah. And you can do the same thing in this one, I think really well with verbs so if you look at like the verbs of how uh, imagination soared they exploded stories ran those are all really exciting action-filled verbs they're not um i don't know what the word i'm looking for they're not kind of um tired I want to say yeah they're not passive verbs they're very exciting and and emphasize some sense of action yeah so just being able to pick out like any one of those verbs as implying a sense of excitement is good but if you can say oh actually there's ran soared, exploded swept away those all really go together and made that excitement
0: and also you're getting those sort of top band marks there because you're able to show how multiple pieces of evidence are backing up your point rather than like I think sometimes people want to write out like absolutely every single long quote but if you can group together the way that he's doing it is from using these exciting verbs pick out three from different points Mm -hmm. that even though they're just three words that then you've been so specific you've understood and you've demonstrated you've understood exactly what the writer's doing and exactly how that demonstrates the views on the stories
1: yeah. um, and, and even if you don't want top marks if you're not aiming to try to get top marks and you don't think you're going to be able to pick out a bunch of verbs you've focused on that verb's effect and that's what the question wants yeah it's not give me a quote what does it mean it's what is the effect of the language so having one verb is a really strong and a, a choice for analysis
0: so i think the other thing that's worth mentioning obviously um I mean, there are loads of similes. Yeah. Similes are something that um, are quite—I—I—I'd I'd like to think sort of quite easy to recognise, mm-hmm. um, and quite clearly um, good uses where imagery is, you know, bringing to life what it, what, whatever his memory is of these, um, his ideas about these stories. Um, so whether you are able to sort of hone in on the fact that they ran or exploded if you can't do that and you haven't spotted that and you've not been able to think oh these verb choices are are interesting and exciting you hopefully can pick out ran like gazelles and pounced like tigers exploded like rockets um
1: I think they also say that they were heroes, which is more of a metaphor, aren't yeah. they? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, just the, the imagery in general there is all um, very, like, well, we've got the animalistic, but again, that, that links in with that sense of adventure. You yeah. know, these aren't things that you see every day, but they're things that you get to see when you're in stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of feel that's being put across there. Well, as he said, when your imagination soared, so the the fact that that's the impact of these stories is that they make our imaginations run away with us
1: and and actually if you're trying to talk about his views on books it's that they're exciting mm-hmm. so if you know right away his view is that they're exciting how many different ways can you prove that the language shows that is the way you want to think even about
0: it? even if you aren't you can't um put a, a technique um to it you can't you can't say that it's a simile you can't remember you've gone absolutely blank but you can see words like dragons dinosaurs and heroes that still proves the point that these books are exciting because those things are exciting they're otherworldly they're you know they're things that we associate with storytelling and with adventure Mm -hmm. um So, gosh there's just so much to talk about there
1: and even there you're just saying the words the image of dragons and dinosaurs yeah you're not telling me the phrase it's just that thing that image of a dragon and a dinosaur puts an exciting atmosphere into your head it it creates a sense of his excitement about the books so it's even just those one phrases they're exotic they're interesting they're otherworldly like you said
0: so i think largely the way then that you would we've talked about a few bits there so the way that you would go about writing something like this is you need to talk about this view of books and stories being exciting and then you need to that's almost like your point yeah um and then you need to figure out the way in which that excitement is demonstrated so that whether that's through the verb choice whether it's through the similes whether it's through color imagery whether it's through um like like the you know word choice of like the the objects whatever it is that you've decided to do whatever level you're at you then say how those ideas have been presented and you can include your evidence and explain how they show that how they make you feel excited about books and stories of the past and how Mr Fisher's view is coming through um I mean, even like Soldiers of Fortune and Giant Apes. Like, There's so much there.
1: Mm -hmm. And and also, I mean, don't normally encourage to talk about sentence forms, but the fact that he just goes on and on and on and he's building these lists with those um, semicolons with all the different things that are in there, that's showing his excitement for it because it's that building of...
0: Yeah, um, it's like never ending. Detail. Yeah, which might be something actually if you're really stuck with the next question. So we know that question three is going to be about structure. Yeah, um, and that you know that might be a point that you can carry across there um, because we've got like this list, and it's like his imagination literally is bursting with all of these stories and all of these ideas, and they're com- they're falling onto the page. Um, Okie dokie, right. Yeah,
1: there's, there's loads of I
0: feel about, like last just... year's exam group were quite lucky with this, also. <laughs> I, I don't know,
1: because I think if you get that much, you might just say, a, you might just start listing similes and forget to talk about effect. Yeah. So, as much as we've said, like, these verbs are important, these similes are important, if you don't specifically explain their effect, then you're going to lose out no matter how many good quotes you have. It's oh, really yeah, about... it's better
0: for you to have picked out a couple of things. And, and explain it clearly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's only an eight mark question. I imagine, I can literally picture my old class and they would probably spend an hour no, going honestly. into the most insane detail on this and then they would have run out of their time for yeah. the rest of the paper and you can only get eight marks. You could, you know, you could have someone who's written a third of a page successfully achieve eight marks and someone who's written three pages and they can still only get eight marks. Yeah. So don't get too carried away. Okie dokie, so the structure question, um, this is now where we're going to, we know that it's structure, this is now where we're going to go through our source properly, um, and we need to be thinking about it as a source, um, as a whole, and the way that it's been built. So the interesting thing for structure I think you have to think of it in the same way um, that a builder does or an an architect does in a house. When they're mapping out their story, certain things, certain relationships, um, they've been put in a particular order and that's how it makes sense. And you need to be looking at... um, the way in which the perspe- like the focus of the um story or the extract in this case at, you know at the start and how that extract moves from a to b so where you're at at the end what kind of a journey's happened and how they've used structure there so structure isn't just talking about sentence length and paragraph length and juxtaposition and foreshadowing whilst these are structural techniques structure is also thinking about he starts by talking about a character he includes some dialogue here to show a different perspective he includes a lengthy description here to um, to demonstrate the view or whatever it is the structure is also his choices and his positioning of his language Um, so if, if you were to look at that extract we've just that little snippet we've just looked at and you want to talk about the way that his he's structurally almost um we've got the representation of all of these ideas falling onto a page in the way that he's using um his sentences there. That's you know that these are all relevant things to talk about.
1: I also think um main thing that a lot of people overlook is like what kind of writing is it? So for example this story from the start is just description. There's no dialogue yet. If, if you do get one where there's dialogue that gets introduced at the start or the middle or the end, or there's a clear shift between there's big descriptions at the start and then dialogue at the end, you should probably think about why has that been done. In this case, the first paragraph is just describing him and his life and how he does his marking on the, uh, in the forum room and on the bus on the way home and really just describing who he is as a person, where that's something really key that you can talk about. The description of his character makes us think something about him. Why would we want to start with that opinion of him is something you should say. If he lived alone, and that's the first thing you hear about, we probably think he's a bit of a lonely guy. Maybe you're sympathetic towards him. I mean, the fact that he has to mark papers on the bus on the way home is also pretty
0: It's not tragic. building, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a, so right away, you kind of feel like his life is not great. And even the second paragraph starts with, it had been a disappointing term at St. Oswald's. <laughs> so just the description of his life and the introduction of his character in general really creates that sympathy. I know. And it's by talking about the fact that it's description rather than some people talking about him or...
0: And actually, when you... I know we're we're not meant to be answering the question just yet, but when you look at those first two paragraphs, I'm looking at them now, lived alone, he's marking his papers, doesn't have a car, it's been a disappointing term, you know, it wasn't like it was in the old days. When we compare that to the third paragraph of, like, his memory it's like, whoa, it's, it's just jumped up a gear and it's almost like you're suddenly seeing in colour um, this guy, went, the way that he's talking about books. And that's you know, that's interesting to talk about for structure, the tone, how that shifts. Um, you want to be saying the word shift, I think, in this answer yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah,
1: you need to say what changes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you look at the way the author's written it, there's usually some kind of um, preposition or like discourse marker that shows them shifting in the third paragraph, he remembered a time, oh, we're going into the past tense. The fourth paragraph starts with now, so we know we're back in the present. It's it's little clues to look for where you can see, does the tense change? What is that shift for?
0: Um, Okay, so the question says, you now need to think about the whole of the source. This text is from the beginning of a short story, which is interesting to note um, if you are told about it being the beginning, because... There'll be no prior knowledge for somebody reading this, and your first, so I mean, as this the first sentence of this story, Mister Fisher lived alone. You know that's obviously significant. It's obviously a choice. Whether you, it's the same with everything. When you're looking at poetry, whatever it is, the first line is going to be significant. So if you notice, it's the start of a story. You definitely want to have a look at that. Um, How has the writer structured the text to interest you as a reader? We've talked a little bit about what that means. And then you've got your three bullet points here. What the writer focuses your attention on at the beginning of the source. Yeah, we've just said. How and why the writer changes this focus as the source develops. And any other structural features that interest you. Straight away, what sort of structural features might be interesting? If they're going to think, right, let's think of some things that I should look for.
1: Um, I think easily... The one that's overlooked the most is like we just said like tense change yeah is there a memory that goes into the past tense if there is then it probably shows you some kind of change you can talk about um the other one i think is like i talked about with is it people talking or is it just describing people yeah because maybe you're introduced to a character through dialogue and then later their description is more um interesting and changes what you originally thought about them maybe the dialogue comes in later and changes your opinion on what they were um,
0: Yeah, I, do, I don't think here. you're going to get a good a good mark for this if the only things you know to talk about with structure are paragraphing and sentence length. No, no. I think even though those might sort of literally be structural things, yeah. you want to look... I, I always say to look out for juxtaposition. I think that's a really... Most writers use that quite regularly. Yeah,
1: something's going to change. And if, if it is, you can say that those juxtaposition between two things then
0: yeah um and yeah same with same with foreshadowing if you can find some sort of hints and clues um those are things that you know are nice little go-tos to look for yeah as as mr Shelley said maybe look out for some dialogue see where there's description why there's detailed description about one bit and maybe not another bit it's drawing your focus basically where's your focus drawn
1: and from having done question one and two you should already kind of have an idea of the first uh third of the text and yeah. what the ideas are from there Th- don't think that at that time you shouldn't ignore the structure question and you don't necessarily even need to go back and read the first bit if you've paid attention enough to think about the structure of it too
0: right should you keep reading sure okay
1: <laughs> now everything was in black and white and though mr fisher continued to teach with as much devotion to duty as he had forty years before, he was secretly aware that his voice had begun to lack conviction. To these boys, these sullen boys with their gelled hair and perfect teeth, everything was boring. Shakespeare was boring, Dickens was boring, there didn't seem to be a single story left in the world that they hadn't heard before. And over the years, though he had tried to stop it, a terrible disillusionment had crept over Mr. Fisher, who had once dreamed so fiercely of writing stories of his own. They had come to the end of the seam, he understood. There were no more stories to be written. The magic had run out. This was an uncharacteristically gloomy train of thought, and Mr. Fisher pushed it away. Not all his boys lacked imagination. Alistair Tibbet, for instance, even though he had obviously done part of his homework on the bus. An amiable, amiable boy, this Tibbet, Not a brilliant scholar by any means, but there was a spark in him which deserved attention. Mr. Fisher took a deep breath and looked down at Tibbetts' exercise book, trying not to think of the snow outside and the five o'clock bus he was now almost certain to miss. Four books to go, he told himself, and then home, dinner, bed, Mm -hmm. the comforting small routine of a winter weekend. That's so sad. Yeah, (laughs) shall I keep reading?
0: (laughs) Save your voice. But gradually, sitting there in the warm classroom with the smell of chalk and floor polish in his nostrils, Mr. Fisher began to experience a very strange sensation.
1: That's a big shift.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It began as a tightening in his diaphragm, as if a long unused muscle had been brought into action. His breathing quickened, stopped, quickened again. He began to sweat and when he reached the end of the story, Mr Fisher put down his red pen and went back to the beginning, rereading every word very slowly and with meticulous care. This must be what a prospector feels when, discouraged and bankrupt and ready to go home, he takes off his boot and shakes out a nugget of gold the size of his fist. He read it again, critically this time, marking off the paragraphs with notes in red. A hope which at first Mr. Fisher had hardly dared to formulate swelled in him and grew strong. He found himself beginning to smile. If anyone had asked him what Tibbet's story was about, Mr. Fisher might have been hard put to reply. There were themes he recognised, elements of plot which were vaguely familiar, an adventure, a quest, a child, a man. But to explain Tibbet's story in these terms was as meaningless as trying to describe a loved one's face in terms of nose, eyes, mouth. This was something new, something entirely original. I really like this extract.
1: Yeah, it's quite good. It's, it's, it's very sad at the start, but I also think it's a good one to show... Um, structure changes
0: yeah definitely because you've gone from as we've said this start this kind of sad middle aged man the picture isn't particularly pleasant we've got his memory that we move to when he's talking about um, his feelings towards books, which you've spoken about in your question too, then we've got the shift back. Everything was in black and white, and I mean, if we've ta- if we've talked about the way that he's talking about colour in the in the paragraph before. Black and white we see as mundane um words like duty, things like that yeah. showing like
1: Shakespeare was boring.
0: Yeah. Dickens was boring. Even the fact that he's repeated those two words, he's had no real like enthusiasm to even come up with a different adjective. yeah.
1: and then even the um the that paragraph ends on such a short little the magic had run out. yeah, that that's it.
0: almost the end. like, um, there were no more stories to be written. The magic had run out. It's like we we're at it's very um final, yeah, um
1: and then it all turns around so obviously, like the way that he then picks up Tibbet's book on line thirty three is just but. It's so obvious that that's one of those. If you've got
0: but at the start, because you know that you're not supposed to start sentences with but. Um, Everyone's (laughs) taught that when they're at like age five. So if you see one there, then it's going to be important. And also, what I really like here is these descriptions. Um, the sensory descriptions there, mm-hmm. I think, are quite significant. Like the smell of chalk, the floor polish. It's all so, his
1: anticipation. Yeah,
0: exactly. The, the sensations. Bit, um, he's describing it in such specific detail because he, this moment is like so real. And it's almost like we can be real in this moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there's, a lot, there's lots of like, if you do want to talk about sentence forms, there's loads of like, he began to sweat. His breathing quickened. stopped. There's all these short little sentences that add a bit of tension about what what's in the story. Why is it so exciting to him? Um, and I mean, it ends on a nice short sentence too, with something entirely original.
0: Yeah. It, well, which follows this was something new, mm-hmm. and and so you've got your yeah those short sentences that are quite definitive.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I think. A really interesting there for structure
1: i think it's, it's sentence structure is usually one i would avoid talking about too much but where here there's so many short little sentences used again and again to add that excitement that he feels and kind of like the tension around what is the story that's a good time to talk about it when it's when it's so obvious that there's multiple examples of it then yeah but if you just got one long sentence probably not going to be The best thing to talk about. oh yeah you don't
0: just want to be like the sentence was really long so that added lots of description like
1: (sighs) but when it's obvious and you've got multiple long sentences or multiple really short sentences then you've got a bit more grounds of something to talk about
0: even his breath quickened stopped quickened again like i like that he began to sweat um okay so i think structurally there's a fair amount to talk about here you want to you want to as we've said look at the what well, as the even as the exam says the focus at the beginning and then think about that shift as it's moving what's caused this change how is it being presented um whether it's your whether you're talking about um you know as he's like remember uh, you know in the present the use of present tense and like the the way that the now seems very boring and dull and then that shift um, I think yeah, I think there's quite a bit you can talk about about where this extract goes.
1: I I would usually encourage that if you're gonna do the structured one, just to get your head around it better, to talk about beginning, middle, end. Yeah. And wh- how does it start? How does it change in the middle? How does it end? And when you talk about the middle and the ending, has anything changed or developed from the beginning? Because so, like,
0: and and you like if you were to talk about sort of the tone of the piece, mm-hmm. um, and like the way that this ends on such anticipation um, compared to what is very mundane at the start mm-hmm. Mr Fisher lived alone in a small terraced house in the centre of town so that change from normality and like a very normal mundane to anticipation something entirely original, something new mm-hmm. um, that's quite a big change to have yeah. taken place in, in a page and a yeah. half
1: I think you really need to try to zoom in on like what is the thing that changes beginning middle and end if it's the tense changing because it does in this it goes from present to past to present again it that's fine if it's the tone changing because in this one it goes from really sad disappointed excited and then back to excitement again Mm -hmm. with the new boy story that's something to talk about to being developed but don't think you have to talk about everything under the sun i think if there's a one or two key it might be that the character develops yeah how does the character develop beginning middle and end how is it structured to make that character develop yeah um one small little thing that changes beginning middle and end is a good way to do it because it's making sure that you've talked about a structural feature
0: yeah
1: that has changed beginning middle and end because if you haven't said something about structure whether that's how it's told the tense it's in um the tone of it then you haven't talked about structure, so you're not answering the question.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Right, so let's hope that you don't spend too long on those three questions, because you're starting to get to the those bigger marks. So question four is 20 marks, so just be very aware of time, and I know we've spent a good 40 minutes <laughs> talking about questions one to three, but that's hopefully... Um, you know, talking through all of your different options, which might be different on different papers. Um, But yeah, with question four, this asks you to focus this part of your answer on the second part of the source from lines 25 to the end. So I draw a little box, find line 25, so that I know that I'm not going to be, my attention isn't going to be drawn, I'm not going to be picking evidence from another bit. Um, A student said this part of the story where Mr. Fisher is marking homework shows Tibbet's story is better than Mr. Fisher expected and his reaction is extreme. To what extent do you agree? In your response, you could, otherwise known as you should, consider your own impressions of what Mr. Fisher expected Tibbet's homework to be like, evaluate how the writer conveys Mr. Fisher's reaction to what he discovers, and supports your response with references to the text. So you wanna be doing that third bullet point as you cover the first Mm -hmm. two bullet points. Um, So to what extent do you agree? Well, I think we do agree, certainly to some extent, um, that this story is better than Mr. Fisher expected. Um, And we need to think about how that's being put across so, over to you, Mr. Shirley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I I, I, mean, I, think the main thing to do is when you get the statement to think about the fact that they've given you what to look for and I think sometimes with the language and the structure people get unsure about what to say is the effect where the nice thing, nice thing about question four is that you know what the effect is. You need to look for things that create the effect that it's better than he thought it was and that he's reacting in an extreme way. Those are the effects of the language in the end that you want to prove is there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be language features in specific detail anymore. It can just be details about the story, but you should still pick up on um, some of the language features that are there. Cool.
0: Um, right, how do we know that the story is better than expected?
1: well he thought he wrote it on the bus
0: yeah (laughs) so so low. that that's it that um demonstrates quite a low expectation mm -hmm. um
1: i think a good thing to do when you do this and have the statement is circle some of those key things to look for on your question sheet maybe number them one through three abc however you want to do it and then as you go through start organizing okay obviously done the part of his homework on the bus and like not a brilliant proving.
0: scholar by any means yeah
1: those those obviously stand out as helping you prove that he doesn't think Tibbet's story is going to be good yeah. so you've almost got one paragraph to write just from that one little bit
0: and then the next bit is that the story is great is good mm-hmm. um I I, I, maybe the, maybe you could do the reaction as the next bit because the, right, the reaction is demonstrating how good the story is, right? Yeah. So he began to sweat. You know, we've got quickened breath. So basically the reaction is physical and the story is so good that it causes a physical reaction in this teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, that is quite extreme. I mean, I don't ever remember reading <laughs> no. any work... No offense to people I taught, but it was never that good. <laughs> Actually, I think I once re- I once read like a, an amazing piece by Libby J. I think that I was like, wow. I probably began to sweat with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tightening in the diaphragm, all of these things, you know, um, the breathing quickening, um, sweating, the physical reaction that he's having um, based on what he's reading. We don't actually know at this point if it's positive.
1: No, we really, we don't. But that's something that you can go to proving is his reaction is an extreme. And then you can argue that, yeah, because we don't know that it's good. Um, He doesn't explicitly say that it's good. It's just kind of implying it. You could suggest that although he's reacting in a really extreme way, the reader isn't yet aware that the story is so good
0: although when we see here the um analogy he uses of like someone who's searching for gold and is discouraged and bankrupt and ready to go home and then takes off his boot and shakes out a nugget of gold the size of his fist Mm. so that kind of um reference this story is his nugget of gold and, and also shows the unexpected element as well, because ready to go home, that like he's discouraged. He's this prospector basically as a teacher. He's discouraged and bankrupt. That's how he feels about teaching. Um, this is getting pretty deep. Um, and then this student and this piece of work is the nugget of gold that's like made it all worthwhile kind of. Um
1: beyond that i think it's just good to think about it as uh, an argument more than a an analysis of the language you should think of reasons that you would agree with the statement and might not agree with the statement as well it's like if your friend told you their review of a movie you're probably going to then go into that film and consider what they said as you're watching it so it's about weighing up what is in there against That statement and what are the things that are really effective at proving that his reaction is extreme what are the things that are not so effective if you can have two to three things that show the reaction is extreme tell us which one is the best example of how his reaction is extreme like i for one thing he began to sweat in the middle of that paragraph at the end of the first page shows how extreme his reaction is and a lot more a lot better way than he found himself beginning to smile yeah you know there's a there's a difference the one clearly shows how much more extreme it is whereas the other one's not quite as extreme um and it's just it's the skill of being able to say is these are the things that prove this statement this is the one that proves it best that's what this question is trying to get you to do
0: is it worth them saying then of the, th- the things that showed that it's not an extreme reaction
1: um i think the best rule of thumb is to to agree Mm -hmm. And if you're going to find things to disagree, it's better to then afterwards prove why that's wrong. So if you said smiling shows it's not extreme, um, give me a reason why actually smiling about it when he's had such a terrible day and we've seen he's such an unhappy figure actually does show that he's had a big turn. Yeah,
0: so you might not seem like him beginning to smile is a big deal, but for somebody in this situation this is a huge turning point for him yeah
1: and and that's a good word that you use there is like thinking about the situation he's in like he's sitting alone in the forum room late at night uh marking is this just
0: talking about your friday night Mister <laughs> marking
1: and he's smiling about it like that's a bit unusual and extreme yeah, because weirdo. of the situation itself <laughs> he should be at home
0: yeah um but also like the story being better than expected this was something new something entirely original those are things proving that but then if you were to say that the story isn't that much better like you could be saying that there are themes he recognized elements that were familiar that almost seems like it's like you're disagreeing but then again you're the way you need to almost come back on yourself and say yeah but then he he later says that this is new
1: yeah and i, th- I the other thing is weighing it up i think yeah. that's a big one that people don't do enough of as if, if you have two pieces of evidence that would prove that statement weighing up and saying which one's the better one and why because um, that shows that you're being really detailed and being really perceptive and you're really zooming in and focusing on this is how it's that statement is true um, because you've shown not just a couple quotes but which one quote in particular made that statement true
0: cool well so that's the end of section A um, and you then hopefully have left yourself plenty of time for section B. It's quite hard for us to talk about section B, but I think we'll talk about it for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, So section B is your writing section, and in this paper it's creative writing, which some people enjoy, some people really draw a blank, Um, and I think what what the skill is here is taking everything, I don't mean copying, but taking... Those things that we've talked about in the um, in section A. So some of the skills that this writer has put into play, and you need to try and do those skills. Now, I don't want you to write about something being golden or something exploding, but I want you to think: Could I use color imagery? Yeah. Could I use exciting verbs?
1: But also, like the premise of the story. Yeah, exactly. The picture is going to go along with it. the The premise of the story was a sad old man alone at the school marking, and then the picture is close up on a face that looks quite sad. Yeah. So y- you've got a, a chance to write about a similar figure in your own story.
0: I'm just looking at this. So the, the it, there's two parts. Don't do both questions, goodness gracious, and definitely don't do some sort of halfway in between. No. Um, like decide whether you're doing a description um, or, well, I'll read them out. So, a magazine has asked for contributions for their creative writing section. Either write a description of an old person suggested by this picture, and you're given a picture of someone who's old.
1: Bearded. Bearded. Black and white.
0: Wrinkles. Is It almost looks like sepia. Yeah. Colouring. Yeah.
1: There's not much to go off if it's so close on his face.
0: No, it's not. But You, you can't see, you can... really
1: see anything else but blackness around him.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure there's ways that you can go with that. Or, or write a story about a time when things turned out unexpectedly. Oh, I feel yeah. like some people could really make like a... Bad meal out of that.
1: I think the worst thing that happens is when someone writes a story of their own life.
0: Yeah, oh God. About time
1: things turned out unexpectedly. No, no, no. no. You, you're writing a story that you've made up. Don't,
0: don't, but also, please don't write about your own life. Please don't write like. like the entire of game of thrones and try and fit it into two pages (laughs) like just because it's a story and yeah you might think you want a beginning middle and end it doesn't mean that it has to be the whole beginning middle and end of your whole story it can be that your extract is going to have a beginning middle and end in the same way that the extract that you've just read you've talked about what the focus is at the beginning middle and end you need to do that with your own writing this story that we've just read this source a so we'll say <laughs> um, <laughs> this. I had to get that in there. I haven't said yeah. that for about two years. Wow. Um, this actually is the start, and this goes on. And there's like probably another hundred pages of. Uh, well, not this is a short story. Bad example, but you need to think of the way that something develops, um, and your story should be the same. It shouldn't be. I'm going to write a story about a girl called Kate, and one day she did this, and then the next day she did this, and, and then.
1: She has a- her own revision company
0: and before you know it she's you know getting an OBE (laughs) (laughs) I've decided that's my goal
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the other thing is to think about don't Uh, the number one rule I tell people is try not to write something cool Just write a solid story that's interestingly written, like a basic story that's interestingly written. You don't need to
0: have reinvented the wheel. You don't need to have come up with a really clever plot. You need to demonstrate that you can write. And I think, so when people are like, you can't practice for the language exam, you actually can practice, like, you can get better at writing and you can get more comfortable using techniques that you should now be able to spot if you're reading them so try and use those things in your writing try and get used to using pathetic fallacy and having you know descriptions of the weather that add into to the mood of the piece that you're writing or you know even basic things like similes and metaphors they don't please don't use like she was feeling as cool as a cucumber no but you can you you can use like and as if you're making comparisons to show how you feel about or how not you but how this character is feeling.
1: the other, The other thing I think is people say you can't practice and you can't revise for English, but you need to practice. You need to try different things you need to try all your punctuation all the time because if you never use a semicolon you're not going to suddenly realize how to use a semicolon the day before an exam yeah and if you can't demonstrate that you know how
0: to use it you won't be getting those high marks
1: and it's trial and error and same with
0: vocabulary as well like try and expand your vocabulary try and be i mean don't just don't i like i always think of that episode of Friends, yeah. which is probably like quite out of outdated now, but where Joey is using a thesaurus for every word, he's writing a letter of recommendation. Have you seen, seen that? that? No, oh my no, gosh, it's such that. a good episode. But he basically signs off his name rather than Joey. He signs it off like Baby Kangaroo tribbiani <laughs> because he's used a thesaurus for every word, and it doesn't make any sense. But you do want to things that you can be doing to revise is like writing out lists of some synonyms for for words, um, just finding... Um, I think last year I did on the Instagram, like some of my favorite words Mm -hmm. that you want to try and include just to vary your vocabulary and show depth in your writing.
1: It's a bit late for that because that's something you should be doing (laughs) constantly. You might be
0: in year 10 listening to this, in which case start this right now. Yeah.
1: The sooner you start practicing your eleven. it's really about practicing it enough that someone calls you out when you're doing it wrong because everyone starts using vocabulary wrong in their lives and you have to just do it and then hope someone corrects you (laughs) because otherwise you're never going to actually learn (laughs) yeah you're never going to learn what the words mean if you don't take the chance and try to use them properly
0: Um, um yeah cool yeah uh, what would you
1: write about with this one with a man's face
0: I would talk about I would like zoom in on those eyes and have like a memory I think
1: mm, that's a good idea um, there was one boy that I heard last year who sat this paper who um, wrote about the wrinkles and started describing the wrinkles growing and turned it into like a metaphor for the hands on a clock turning around Ooh, who and is then, that uh, f- names rhyme with fish year 10 what um,
0: starts with an N
1: maybe um, yeah and it was a really brilliant piece uh, well based on the description you know I, he I has a your favourite teacher account does he yeah. okay, there
0: you go. <laughs> Um big ups to fish yeah I think it, uh, anyway, yeah. So I would also maybe talk about the fact that there's only the face, and then like yeah. I would talk about that blackness, that void.
1: And you can't go out from there, obviously. I think it's, it says suggested, suggested. picture. Yeah, it doesn't mean not... just describe the picture till you die. Yeah, it
0: doesn't like... mean. On the left hand side, you can see his ear, mm-hmm. and the ear looks shriveled. <laughs> and then below the ear is a bit of scarf. That is awful, and I hated no. reading that sort of crap. Anyway, hopefully that's been helpful. And um, as I said, all of these papers are online. You just need to Google AQA English language. And it was the June 2018 um, paper one that we've been talking through. Um, Thank you very much to Mr. Shirley for coming to help me. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.